That's right, back to Ireland. That's right. And with an introduction like that, what more is there to be said? The return of She Knows Arsenal, also known as Jess. How are you doing? Again, spoiler alert, but we've actually done a video for her platform. So make sure you're a member and all of that stuff and you check that out. But as I said, how are you doing? Even though I've answered that already. I'm good. I, I cannot complain. Every time I see that goal, I'm like, that is such a good goal. <laughs> it's not bad for a one goal wonder man that's the only one i got in my arsenal so i'm gonna just keep that one flowing man but yeah obviously i've got you here we're here to discuss arsenal my first question it's been a while since i've been able to have this conversation with you with us being in december and you know it's been a lot of football played and a lot of talking points and a lot of football still to be played what have you made of arsenal this season up until this point you know i've been very happy with arsenal so far um i think my feeling at the end of last season was that our biggest issue was we couldn't keep the ball out of the back of our net. I thought we gave away too many goals. Um, and so seeing our defensive solidity, I, I actually really enjoyed that. I know a lot of Arsenal fans are like, well, where are the goals? Why are we not free flowing? But for me, it's like there was just too many, too many different things where you could look at and, and kind of say, well, maybe it's that, you know, Odegaard's not in his best form. Jesus is in and out of the sides. Zinchenko's in and out of the side. So-and-so is in and out of the side. Martinelli's not there all the time. Um, left eight is still a little bit of a mystery. So for yeah. me, it was just giving those pieces maybe some time to get all together and then see what happens from there. But for me, I've I've enjoyed the fact that even if we're not at our best, we've been able to get the points. Hasn't always been pretty. Hasn't always been our best football. But ultimately, like, we're not in that period anymore. We're not in a show we're a good footballing side period. That was last season. Now we're in win by all means necessary. And I think we're doing that. So I've enjoyed it. We've played, we're playing in multiple competitions, playing in the Champions League, doing really well there. Top of our group early as well with one game to spare. So I think for the most part, when we start complaining about things, these are first world problems. Like Arsenal <laughs> doing really well this season. And so um, I may have a little, you know, complain here and there because you know, we're not scoring enough goals or it doesn't look that great. But ultimately, like inside, we've been good. We've been good, you know, so and we can build from it, which is great. So I'm happy. I'm happy. I mean, you kind of touched on it and I'm happy as well. I think we all are. I don't look at the league tables for the Champions League or the Prem, but allegedly we're top. So long may that continue. Um, a lot has been said about Arsenal's improvements defensively. And I think we are an improved defensive side. Personally, I don't think we're all the way there yet, but I think we've improved the tenfold. That being said, I don't think Luton would be the best, best advert to show that we've improved defensively. And I think on paper, we have made five individual errors leading to goals. And as you said in your vid, Raya has made three of those. And not to make this all about Raya, because even if he's made the mistake, like against Luton, a lot of players have switched off and things like that. Do you still think that's a concern? And how much do you think we've improved defensively then? Yeah, um, I just think when you look at the amount of chances that we give away, like... There's so many there's there's so many different factors. I think we don't give away an, a lot of chances. I think that's a big thing. It's like we really stifle the opposition from even getting any good shots, which I think is important. Um, it's a team thing. 
We don't allow a lot of progression. Like we're a really nasty team to play against. Like I knew we were good defensively when we only, I think, what did Pep Guardiola side only had like four shots against us or something, only like two on target or something. And they came in like the first 17 minutes of the game and they played them at home. I'm like, no, we actually, our defensive structure is very good. And I think a lot of that has to do with Declan Rice. I think he's given us an extra level of like stability back there. And most of the goals that we've conceded, I think you can say like a couple of them have been set pieces, maybe, maybe like, and a lot of them have been individual errors, but in terms of teams cutting us open, there hasn't been many, you know, and I felt like last season, especially when the pressure got a little bit worse Yep. transition, we were really poor. Like if it wasn't for Saliba and Gabriel and Ramsdale with last ditch, like, you know, defensive intervention, we were cooked. I remember even against like Bournemouth, if they had had better finishers, they would have scored more. Everton, they had chances um, at home against us. So we've eliminated a lot of the chaos. And I think a lot of that has to do with our defensive structure and all that kind of stuff. So I think, and it's fine margins, right? I don't think we're like 20%, 30% better. I think it's maybe like 5% better defensively, but that makes a difference. Exactly. Um, individual errors, that has to go. You know, what happened against Wolves, Zinchenko, that has, to, that has to go. You know, Raya versus Luton, that has to go. And so I don't know how you legislate. I don't know how you change that because that's the individual. But Arteta is kind of doing everything in his power to make us better. And um, you can see it. You can see it. Do you think that we focused a bit? And I don't necessarily believe this because, as you said, you know, improving defensively tends to go to results. I personally did like, while I think there was things that we could have done better, for a large period of the season, we were saying, you know what, it's been very boring to watch, but it's a results-driven business. Now, you can't always cry about the result because sometimes the performance tells the full story, but I have liked it. And I know we've got 20-odd goals this season, but, you know, whether you break it down and look at, you know, can Jesus get X amount of goals? Will Martinelli and Odegaard be able to get what they're doing? I think Saka will put up double numbers. But do you think Mikel Arteta or Arsenal are focusing too much on the middle and defensive third and probably we're not scoring to our potential? And is that a concern of yours? Um, I think there's a little bit of adjustment. I think when you saw against like, there's, there's a couple of different things. I do think that there was a heavy emphasis on not conceding goals on transition. And so when that happens, you don't attack through the middle as much. Cause again, like we look at it where it's like, I want to attack through the middle because that's the most dangerous area exactly. for, to hurt the opposition. But on the other end, if you lose it there, where are they? they're, they're down your gut. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I can understand why we wanted to go around the houses and go around the outside, not to lose possession there because that's where teams hurt you. So I think there was a heavy emphasis. Was it too much? I don't think so. I think a lot of what people saw or thought they were seeing was Arsenal just want to be defensively solid and they're willing to give away the attacking part of the game. But when you see how we played against Lons, against Wolves and even against Luton, I think it was just a case that we were missing key pieces and people weren't in form. I think it's just that simple. I don't think Arteta was like, I'm willing to sacrifice goals to be more solid. I think he made some sacrifices, but the system is not keeping Odegaard and Jesus and Saka and Martinelli from scoring goals. I think they just had to be in form and play together and have that click moment. And I think we'll see from the re- for the rest of the season a good balance between the defense and attack now. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Arteta was like, I just want to win 1-0 every game. I don't think that's what he did. 
Um, I mean, and I think the team just needed a little bit of time to adjust and for our players to come back. You know, it's like Jesus wasn't playing, y'all. He's so important. You know, Odegaard wasn't at his best form. He was injured. He's important. So no surprise that when the two of them came back into the team and played a couple of games, we're fine. You know? I, think you're, I think you're bang on the money there with, you know, some of the absentees having a knock-on effect. Um, I do think, you know, at times we can be a bit predictable attacking. I do think we struggled mm. with low blocks and I'll say that we still struggle with low blocks, even though I don't think Luton had a low block. But in our last couple of Premier League games, with the exception of Brentford, which we found the way, we found the way to cut teams open. And I think it's a cocktail of reasons as to why that happens naturally. Yeah. Teams aren't going to give us a lot of space, which is why you've seen in the Champions League, they give us a lot of space. Martinelli, Saka and Cole run right. That's probably where our best attacking football has been. Um, so naturally, teams are setting up and doubling up against our players. They're stifling us. They're not trying to limit the space. I don't think we're necessary. I know we've done it at times. It worked with Havertz. It worked with Declan Rice. It worked against City. It worked against Chelsea. We've got elements of being a direct a very direct side and just going long and kind of gun hole so i want to see that continue a lot of people have said though at the start of this season or better yet this period of the season probably up until a few weeks ago which how do you feel about the notion that potentially arteta or arsenal players individually or collectively have been quote unquote sh uh, saving their energy levels for the for the following campaign following on this campaign do you actually believe that or is it just nonsense I think everything that's happening this season is by design. Um, like if you go back to how the the Declan Rice transfer started and how Mikel Arteta had like 150 something pages of tactical insight and profile insight on Declan Rice, he is one of the most thorough and well-researched managers that you can find. Everybody talks about how he knows exactly how the game is going to go. He knows going exactly back to how everything is going well. to happen. And so the idea for me that none of this is by design when we know who our manager is, I think is a little bit like, let's be real. You know, I do think that we've, we have tried to maybe not, con is it conserve energy? I feel like it's, we're not pressing as much, you know, we're not pressing as much. We're using our shape instead of pressing in order to like win the ball back I do think there are elements of Arsenal wanting to hit full gear, like their last gear. I, for Americans, top gear is first gear. And I feel like for you guys, it's like fourth gear or something. So whatever the top gear is, I do feel like there's, there is an element of that. You know, we want to be at our peak at a certain time. And we also have to conserve our energy be, because we're not, we're, we're playing in multiple competitions and we cannot be out on our feet in February and we're managing injuries. So the idea that some of this is not by design for me is a little bit, it's Arteta. It's Arteta. I do think some of this is by design. And I think, do you really think Arteta's, like our team is just like magically not pressing anymore? Do you think it's just magical? Like it's, we're doing it on purpose, whether it like we get the results at the end. I don't know, but I do think Arteta is like, listen, we don't need to be doing what we did in preseason last season and pretty much playing as good as we can. Let's try to have a gradual improvement. I think that's what we're we're doing. Do you think that? Uh, it's, a weird, it's, a, it's, it's, like... it's a weird one. It's a weird one for me personally, where I think 
naturally in life, if you don't evolve, you're going to stagnate. And, you know, rightly so. Towards the end of last season, teams were kind of reading us. You double up against Saka, you get onto Jesus, you lock down Zinchenko with his inverted role, you kind of play against us. So I think Mikel Arteta has taken what we're good at last season and obviously tried to rework it, evolve the system, kind of change the pressing areas, bring a bit of us being able to go direct, less reliance on someone like Zinchenko being a creative hub in the team. And naturally, these things are going are, are gonna to take a while. You know, pre-season isn't a magical place you go to in a, for a few weeks and then you hit it off. Now, for all teams, not just Arsenal, and obviously injuries permit, as you said, we've missed a couple of players which have probably affected stuff. But, you know, it's now when you're going to see the benefits of what we did in the summer. And obviously, now that Jesus has been able to stay fit, Saka is going from strength to strength. Martinelli hasn't always got the goals to reward himself, but he's doing all right. The midfield, Declan Rice is the poster boy. Odegaard starting to get back to his best. I think naturally the goals will flow. I don't think, I don't think we're conserving energy because I don't think you can. I don't think anytime you go out there and put anything less than maximum, you're going to be in issues. I don't think Arteta is sitting there and saying, you know what, guys, don't put too much energy into this result because we've got to do this at the weekend. Mm -hmm. I just don't think you can afford for that. If logically speaking, we wouldn't have made the looting game, which we'll get onto a lot harder than it needed to be. And I think it comes with the territory. If we want to compete for four trophies, which is now three, you can't afford that. No games are easy. So I kind of disagree. Um, before we get on to Luton, you know, let's spread some Declan Rice propaganda. How, how, how good has he been for you? Because for me, I don't normally stick my neck out, but I'm going to go as far as to say I think he's the most important signing we've made in the Emirates era. I think Ozil and Alexis Sanchez can lay claim to that and I think a couple of other players. But, you know, for me, Declan Rice, his IQ, his anticipation, his intelligence, you know, his consistency, galvanised, you know, we spoke about it on your video, but like even when things are not going our way or we're not necessarily losing, he is galvanising the troops. It's like he's been here forever. How good has Declan Rice been do you rate him as one of the signings, if not the signing of the season? And how good do you think he could be? And just what's your thoughts on everything, Declan Rice? I mean, if if we want to go, if we can go, if we want to go far, I'll go far because I've I've gone far already. I've already said like, let us he, know, man. He is our he's he's the um, Patrick Vieira replacement that we've always needed. That's how oh, I feel. Big claims. That's how I feel. Listen, I don't think well, he is. I think what we um, thought. We needed in a Patrick Vieira replacement is somebody that has the exact same profile playing wise. But what we've really missed from Vieira has been his mentality, his endeavor, you know, his steeliness, you know, the, the, the type of player that's going to change the game, you know, and not let us lose. He's one of those, the leader. That's what you've really missed from Patrick Vieira. I think we made a lot of like, oh, it's the athleticism and all the, no, there, We've had really good players before, good technical midfielders before, but what we haven't been able to replace is his mentality. We haven't, you know, his presence, you know, the presence and the mentality. And so for me, Declan Rice, he may not be the same, you know, on the ball. We know Patrick Vieira was a, like, when we talk about poetry and motion footballer, he was that. Yeah, but he also had the tackles. He also gets stuck in. He was nasty when he needed to be, and he was there when we needed him to be there. And so I think that's what you get from Declan Rice. So what people will hear is, oh, well, people will be like, oh, they're not the same type of footballer. It doesn't matter. We need mentality and presence. That's what we've missed in the Emirates era. And so he's going to be that for us. Did it have to cost $100 million? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Money well spent. Yeah, but it's worth it. 
nobody talks about the the price tag. He stepped straight in and looked like he, he had probably been there owe West Ham some more money, really, with the way yeah. Declan Rice is playing. If I'm honest, he's he's fantastic. And what I think he does for us that maybe Partey doesn't do for us is the off the ball stuff, which I do think that like Partey's biggest qualities are on the ball. I think people get it wrong sometimes. They're like, oh well, he's this physical presence. He was more physical than. Terrera or like other players like that but his quality is really on the ball dip dip of the shoulder passing between the lines things like that Declan is an off the ball menace he's the reason why we were able to beat Manchester City I think at home winning the ball back yeah, he, was, he, cleared an, he cleared an effort off the line on top of There's just having a great game you're right line. we don't win that game without Declan Rice you know and so he's just and he does the simple things right which I love which is refreshing oh, yeah the basics he does it right you know and he's just a special player like when you spend 100 million this is what you expect you know people at the very beginning of the season were like well he's not going to score you any goals like he's not going to be a game changer they're wrong Are you about serious? he's listen, even getting better in the final third they're talking listen and the way that he's shooting i know arteta's telling him that he could be you know a better goal scorer he's shooting all the time even for england he's a good shot on him so he's fantastic no notes, no notes for me. You know, I I love the guy. Like, and yeah, I think at some point he might end up being captain. Blah blah blah. You know, but right now he could be the difference between us winning the title or not. I do. I think he could be that difference maker because in games where it gets tough, like Chelsea, he gets us back in the game. You know, against Manchester United, he gets us the goal. And I just don't think we had that player before. I think we drop points to Manchester United without him. I, I don't think we get back into the game against Chelsea without him. And that's the difference. He gets it. He just gets it. And obviously, I, yeah. I don't really care what nationality a player comes from. But obviously, you know, he is English. He fully understands what Arsenal means. And I said it on your channel, which check that out and subscribe, people. I don't think we've scratched the surface where Declan Rice is concerned, purely because, logically speaking, he's made over 200 appearances for West Ham and probably something close in the Premier League. He's played for England. He's a household six. And he's taken everything he's doing in a West Ham shirt and an Arsenal shirt. But if you read between the lines, he says, everything I thought I knew about football, speaking to Mikel Arteta, is a lie. So if you think about it, people listening, if you've gone through primary school, I don't know how it is in America, but primary school, secondary school, university, whatever, and somebody's told you, you know, the sky is blue, etc., And then you have someone that sits you in the room and says, Everything that you've ever been told in your life is nonsense. It's going to take you a while. That's not to say Declan Rice is struggling or will struggling. I'm just saying that there's so much more upside. Declan Rice only provides positive questions. And I think England will benefit with him being better in the final third. And you've touched on it. He scored goals. He's starting to pop up and have half chances. Obviously, the way you're going to play in midfield at Arsenal and West Ham, game to game, there might be similarities. But we're on the front foot a lot more. We've got the lion's share of possession. It's not really just like army soldiers at war, really like West Ham kind of was with the greatest of respect. So Declan Rice is amazing, if I'm honest with you. Mm -hmm. How, like, I can't really make this into a question, but like, are you upset that we probably haven't seen Declan Rice, Odegaard and Partey on a consistent basis, if any? Because you mentioned the Man City game. That was something beyond the obvious, which was a positive in that we had those three in the middle of the park at some point. I think Kai Havertz and Tomiyasu came on and we spoke about physicality. Was that kind of a midfield trio or better yet, a, a pivot in midfield with Partey and Rice that you wanted to see on a more consistent basis? Maybe not in a more consistent so my my thought process over the summer was that if they feel like we're going to spend seven almost 70 million on Havertz and he's going to play left center mid and Declan Rice is going to be the six, I want to see those guys play together because that's 
the idea, you know? So I've actually been pretty consistent on feeling like I don't really want to see Havertz play up front. I want Arteta to make him into the left center mid that he thought he was going to be. This is such a bold move that you have to make it work. And I don't want to see you putting him on the bench and giving him, you know, center forward minutes. I want you to trust him in the left center mid because I want to see what you were trying to do with it. So I actually wanted to see that midfield on a more consistent basis than Partey, Rice, and Odegaard, because I also think Rice's best position is in the six. So moving him out of that position, I think it's only something to do for the bigger matches. So not necessarily on a consistent basis, I wanted to see it more, but I would have liked it to have been a, an option more often for the bigger games. So the biggest game that we played is Man City at home, I think, and we didn't have that. And I think or Saka it, shows you how funny football is. Yeah, we didn't have Saka either. So it would have been nice to have that option then. It would be really nice to have going to Anfield. It'd probably be really nice to use um, for Villa Park. But we don't have it. You know, we don't have it. And that's been a conversation over kind of like the whole season. That party has been missing the whole time. You know, it's he's played a handful of games. Um, not quite sure what he was doing at right back at the beginning of the season. But, you know, we need to figure out a solution to be able to use that at some points. Like, Jorginho will give us a little something, but we've seen, like, against Chelsea, he got ran over. You yeah, know? Spurs when the game was too open. And he's he been good at sandwiched in between that. But, yeah, yeah, you sign up for certain performances and results with Jorginho with the greatest of respect to him. You kind of touched on it, and it sets us up perfectly. Obviously, Kai Havertz has probably had his best period in an Arsenal shirt now. What, three goals in four? He yeah. looks a lot more confident. He's making the difference. As you kind of touched on, initially, we persisted with him in the eight. Looked good off the ball, but was wanting a bit more. He's been a super sub on occasions. Where are you at with him now? Do you believe that this is now Kai Havertz arriving? Is he here to stay or is it wait and see mode for you? If there's anybody that can, you know save a wonder kid it's probably Mikel Arteta yes I hope so um listen people were calling Odegaard everything under the sun when he came to Arsenal yeah. flop you know never was really that good was he ever really a wonder kid blah 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 look at him now and so if there was ever going to be a manager that could reinvigorate this guy's career it's Mikel but when we talk about a project this was a massive project because the guy was you know at the, his lowest ebb do I think that this is what we had to do or we should have done maybe not you know, I think when you lose somebody like Granite Shaka, who was height of his, you know, um, confidence and a great so leader well and stuff. Well. Yeah, you replace him with somebody at such a low ebb in their career. It's risky. You know, it's very risky. And I think after seeing him for three years play for Chelsea um, as a number nine, it was very speculative to play him in the left eight. But what I will say is that, like, if you if you guys haven't listened to the Athletic podcast, it came out like a, maybe like a week ago, and With it was Jorginho. all on Kai Havertz, um, and it was excellent, about thirty eight minutes long, so it's not that long. But they spoke about him always being a number eight slash number ten, but Chelsea always played him out of position, even they knew he was an eight and continued to play him out of position because they didn't have a striker, and so he is a a, a ten slash eight. He can play there. It's just whether or not his confidence allows him to, to really own that position. I think it's more confidence than anything. The ability is there. I don't think the ability ever goes away. It's about whether or not you can tap into it mentally. And so I after the losing game, basis, yeah, yeah af actually, I was really, I really liked his performance against Newcastle. I thought he was good against yeah, Newcastle. Very well. um, I was like, okay, 
Listen. Even West Ham in the League Cup when we went out, which at that time, if Havertz was the best player on the pitch for Arsenal, then I think the other 10 players really yeah. need to look at what they're doing. Yeah, I was like, build on that, build on that. But Luton exactly. is the first time that, you know, for the whole game, actually, let's say Lons was probably the first game from like the beginning. I was like, okay, you look like a midfielder. And then now against Luton again, you look like a midfielder. You're taking the ball, you're carrying it, you know, you're making a We're difference. seeing you. Yeah. And so is it here to stay? You know, it's like, like you said on um, my show, like, I think it's a really good point is that I thought Fabio Vieira was, he was after Fulham. I was like, this is it. He's going to do it. He's falling off a cliff again. So we don't know if this is here to stay, but he's going to get enough opportunities to make that happen. So I'm looking forward to his potential performance against Villa and I want it to work. I think he's really talented. He looks really bought in. He looks like he really wants to do a good job. And so, yeah, I want it to work. Let's see what happens. You know, I don't want to gas it too much. I don't want to say like, oh, it's done. 65 million well spent. But the last couple of games have given at least me hope. And um, yeah, I think maybe even you some hope too, because you you sounded like you you thought it was a good performance and stuff too. So yeah, nah, man, you're bang on the you're bang on the money there. I think you know. I think Havertz is an ego thing. You know, I think there's nothing wrong with having concerns, and if he proves you right or wrong, then fair enough. But I think, as I said on your show, I think the problem with Havertz is he was an easy target. Definitely for me as an Arsenal fan, bantering my Chelsea supporting friends, he's an easy target. He looks, you know, wonder kid hype. All of this can play everywhere, but what is he? When he signs for our club, it's a bit like karma and you can play everywhere, but where are you? And yeah. my patience, exactly. And I didn't really have patience with Havertz in the sense of, I'll give you all the patience you want. If Arteta wants you, you play for Arsenal, I support you. But I need to see something because I need to get closer to City. We haven't really, we've got patience, but we haven't really got time to waste. And I do think he's always fitted in. I've always defended him for off the ball and stuff like that. But everybody should be able to do that. If I'm praising you for flying into tackles, then the bar's on the floor. As you kind of said, now when you're, you know, you're running in behind, you're losing the ball and then winning it back, you're you're, you're confident to make mistakes. He didn't always look like he, he, he was playing within himself. So I do like that. I don't know if he'll ever, you know, you know, convince us in long term, but it's a step in the right direction. My only thing I would say generally about Arsenal is that, you know, I do find myself wanting obviously ability but not so much the point on ability I kind of want some players that I like Saka like Saliba like Declan Rice especially if we're going to get close to City in that whether we win lose or draw there's a certain consistency I do feel we've got a lot of players that I don't think we've got too many bad players apart from Cedric but I feel we've got some players at this club that you know three four games they look like they're great I don't quite think this is Jorginho but I would throw him into that you just mentioned Fabio Vieira I think in August Eddie Nketiah was one of the players of, of the month for us really there's a couple of players that three four games they look like they're here to stay but I need players that I can bet on for 10 20 25 damn well even 30 of the 38 game period so hopefully it continues with Kai Havertz and I think Timber's a great player as well unfortunately he's injured so summer's been great Obviously, you know, if you go back until a few weeks ago, Kai Havertz was probably the one we'd look at and be like, oh, you know what? What was the, the problem with signing him, really? David Raya, where are you at with the Aaron Ramsdale, David Raya debate? I'm sure you've exhausted all your thoughts on it. Oof. Are you convinced with Raya? Like, let me know everything in relation that's to Raya because I'm tired of speaking about it personally. That, But that's the thing is every, everybody I've had this conversation with is like, I'm tired. I am exhausted with this. Exhausted, and man. I, and I can only imagine what it feels like being actually like one of the goalkeepers that are involved in this, you know, because you actually have to play um, and always be the topic of conversation.
But, you know, I'd, I'd say that I think Rye is the better goalkeeper, and I'll never begrudge the, the club for wanting to even be 1%, 5%, 2% better. And I think that's where we are with the team right now, is when we talk about upgrading upon our players, like this team almost won the league. We're one of the best teams probably in Europe, right? So upgrading upon our players is going to be very, very difficult. You know, it's going to be, if you're upgrading, it's going to be like by a percent, 5%. Fine margins rather than, yeah, fine unless margins. you're going to get Allison or something. Yeah, exactly. So our, Arsenal went out there and thought that they could get the 1% to 5% with Raya. And I think statistically, when you looked at it, you could see where it was. The high claims, you know, he saves more goals than than Ramsdale does. Passing out from the back, all those types of things. On paper, it looks like a really good signing. And what's going to give us the 1% to 5%? Has it actually manifested itself in that way on the pitch? Sometimes in the smaller games it does, but in the bigger games he's he's left he's left us wanting, and it's hard to defend it because it's like the things that I don't expect him to be Allison, but the mistakes in possession and like not claiming your crosses are the things that he's supposed to be very good at, and he's supposed to be better than Ramsdale. Yeah, and so I'm surprised that he's been like this i'll be really honest but it's difficult stepping up to a big club i think when you look at somebody yeah. like even like onana he was widely considered a very good goalkeeper especially after inter milan like played manchester city in the champions league it was like arsenal fans are like this is the guy that we should have gotten you know he was somebody that people wanted he's gone to manchester united and looks you don't know what you're gonna get stepping up to a big club is not easy you know, this is the first time where playing against Spurs and Chelsea and, and Man City are not free hits for David Raya. They're must wins, you know, and so I think he's faltered under the lights. You know, the lights are bright and he's faltering. But I also feel like having all the mess and the circus around him and Ramsdale is leaving us with two not so great goalkeepers. And we're not getting this goalkeeper battle that we should have gotten. You know, it's the what was advertised is not what we're getting. Instead of getting two really solid goalkeepers fighting against each other, we're getting two that are head cases. And so Arsenal need to figure out a way to manage this in a way where we get at least one top quality goalkeeper. If that's selling Ramsdale and, and eliminating the circus completely, then that's what it is. But it seems like Arsenal want to keep them both around. So somebody has to step up and say, you know what, I'm going to stop the nonsense and just be good on the day. But I'm questioning the mentality of both of them because nobody can put in a good performance. and so. It's a mess. And I'm tired. You know, Luton had seven, seven, um, like touches in our box. They had three goals. It's nonsense. Like, come on. So even though I do think Rai is the better goalkeeper and I want to give him time, his performance against Luton is so unacceptable. It's ridiculous. Like you can't be putting in disaster classes like that. And he's really lucky his teammates bailed him out. Point. He, he needs to have like, what is it? Um, like when you wages get docked, he needs Not to wages. have his wages get docked <laughs> and pass those over to Declan Rice because, man, that performance was awful. It was. It was. You know, it was terrible. And, I, was think, terrible. and I, think, I think you're bang on the money. And I think, like, one of my friends said it best and it made me think. It's like, you've got two kids in the class, you know. Ram, Ramsdale's got, like, ADHD and he's dodgy. Raya's almost too laid back and he's dodgy. I don't, I do think, you know, it's, as you said, it's become a circus. Obviously, they're professional footballers. They have to shut out the outside side noise, but they're humans. Once they leave training, 
you know, they've got friends and family who look at news and things like that. And I'm sure they see Sky Sports. You know, it's not, it can't be healthy for them. As much as I think this comes with being at a big club, it can't be healthy that whichever one plays, the talking points are about the others. And yeah, if you make mistakes or play well, you should be praised or, or critiqued appropriately. But it's always under the views of the other keeper. And this is a year, a Euros year, which I don't think Raya or Ramsdale will be number ones for their country, but one where they want to play because there's a decent amount of goalies. So it, it, it's a bit of a political one man a bit of a twofold question then do you think Arteta did Ramsdale dirty and you kind of said that Raya is a better goalkeeper what is Raya better at than Ramsdale yeah so do I think Ramsdale has been done dirty I think the way that things have been done have has not been nice I don't think that you know there's anything wrong with the club trying to upgrade upon somebody but the way that it's been done I think has been totally harsh and like um, it doesn't give Ramsdale an opportunity to move move on to a different club. It doesn't give him an opportunity. He has to like sit with that where he signs a new deal. He's getting PFA awards and stuff like that. And then the next minute there's another goalkeeper there. And oh, by the way, after the international break, I've done lit like I haven't done that much wrong, but I'm out of the job. You know, it's it's harsh. It really is. Um, and I think it's not a great it's, it, it looks brutal and it looks like, oh yeah, we're making these harsh decisions and like we're doing what's best for the club. But I also think you have to think about the optics. I don't think the optics are great. Um, I don't. Um, is he done dirty, dirty though? I don't think Ramsdale was good towards the end, back end of last season. He was largely like, he had no competition for his position. And once that became clear, I thought he relaxed. I think the, the goalkeeper that we saw when he first came in really wanted to win the spot from Leno and he did and prove it. people wrong because some yeah. Arsenal fans that are saying he's being harsh, you know, they didn't want him in the first place. Yeah. And Benjamin White, really. Yeah, he wanted to prove people wrong and win that spot. And he did that. Once he did that, I do think his the, the performances started to go down. That was complacency, and, without a doubt. Yeah. And I think at the beginning of last season, when we were playing really well, and I think a lot of Arsenal fans were just vibing, I think we maybe ignored some of the, the red flags. You know, against Manchester United, um, poor. You know, I think on the Lissandra Martinez goal at home. Yeah, where he's he, like um, with Raya at the weekend. Well, in the yeah. in the last couple of days ago, he's come out. He's in no man's land. You're bang yeah. on the money. And the yep. Southampton score from the corner. Got to do better. Leicester at home, near post. Madison well, done his halfway line in the Europa League. Listen, Madison said, um, this is what really stood out to me. Madison said that Brendan Rodgers said before that game, if you just shoot on target towards his near post is probably be a goal. That's what they were saying. And it was, you know, so, but the vibes were so good and we were so excited about the way that we were playing. I think we ignored it. And then once we got down to the run-in, it started to become more obvious that he was making more mistakes. Now when we were backs against the wall against Spurs away, Newcastle away, Liverpool away. He was great because that's what he's really good at. He's very good right? when so he's under amazing. a lot of pressure and he saved us many times in that. Yeah, regard. backs against the wall. He's freaking amazing. This way you need when to be he doesn't have a lot to do. Don't have much to do. Yeah, when he doesn't have a lot to do, that's where he leaves a um he leaves a lot to be desired. So I do I think that we were gonna the, I guess the question is, do I believe that we would have won we could win a title with Ramsdale? No, I don't. I um harsh, and it's man. it's harsh, but that that's my personal opinion. So do you believe we can win one with Raya in theory? Not in the way that he's playing right now, absolutely Fair not. Enough. Again. A lot of what he's better at than Ramsdale playing out from the back, claiming crosses, things like that. He also saves more goals than Ramsdale did. At the beginning of this season, 
we conceded seven goals from nine shots on target. Seven. And people were trying to tell me that he couldn't have saved any of those. He could have. Let's be so for real. Like, come on, he could have. So on paper, David Raya was better. But at Arsenal, he he hasn't really shown that. And so in the state that he's in right now, no, he's going to cost us the title. And so he either needs to shape up or Arsenal need to, you know, try to take that receipt over to Brentford and say, listen, <laughs> I need a we'll refund. Cancel that loan, even though it's a loan. You know, but name <laughs> to be fair. It's, <laughs> it's, not it's not looking good. I mean, I feel sorry for Ramsdale, man, because I don't sign into the social media or I don't sign off on the notion that he cost us a league title. There was many ways he saved it. Do I think there's games he could have done better? Do I think there's times where goals have gone in where Ramsdale could have done better? A hundred million percent. But as I said on your show with Raya and as I maintain with Ramsdale, not to absolve them of any responsibility. But before I ask any questions of my goalie, there needs to be, you know, there's several lines of defence. And even the Luton one, you know, I can't hold him. We gave away the corner, so we could go over that. But And I don't think, you know, uh, Declan Rice for the second corner did well enough. But at the end of the day, it starts and stops with Ryer. He's come out of his, he's come off his line. You've got to collect it. For Barclays' goal, I think Gabriel, Saliba, Havertz, Benjamin White, Odegaard, all of them could have defended better. But at the point where Barkley now has the ball and he's going to demand a save from Raya, there's only one thing on his mind. You can see, not that I could tell professional football or anything, and it's easy for me as an armchair expert, but you can see Barkley's only got one thing on his mind. He's aiming for the far post and Raya's jumped over it. So is that nerves? Is that just need, you needing to do better? And not that I ever want my keeper to, to uh, ever be, you know, having to do mad saves and stuff like we've seen what more Leno did. I want Raya to have that game where I'm like, wow, I want it more for his confidence. And I hope it's against Aston Villa because as you kind of alluded to, it's the bigger games where Raya hasn't always been doom and gloom, but it's like raw, like the North London derby wanted a bit more. The Chelsea Mudrick goal, you give a Mudrick a career, essentially. Lens, fair enough, is playing out from the back, but it's an L. Luton is another L. And although we beat Manchester City, and as I said, mistakes happen. You have to be able to save your teammates. If it wasn't for Declan Rice, obviously, you know, uh, clearing off the line, you would have conceded. Now, I don't think when Ramsdale got his opportunity for, against Brentford, he did well enough. And I, I think it ties into what you're saying about the nerves and maybe they're overthinking things and things like that. But worse comes to worse, we could be stuck in a scenario, which I hope is wrong, where both keepers are just not quite good enough. And we spent 30 million on something that that's Raya's first choice. Do you think it's Ramsdale done. can wrestle it back then? Or do no. you think that's it? It's done. It's done. Listen, I was saying this in when it first happened and people were like, remember, Brighton have two goalkeepers that they no nonsense, man. You can't do guys that. be so for real. That was PR in my eyes. Man. We are not swapping goalkeepers. It's, like, in, it's not sustainable. No. And I think this is where the mess comes in, because I almost wish if we were going to be harsh and brutal. Right. With this decision, I wish we would have just done it the whole way. And I wish Arteta would have went into the media when it was asked who's the number one goalkeeper and just said Raya. It, it would have this whole thing that he did about I want two number ones and I've always wanted to be able to sub one in, sub one out. Arteta, please don't don't do this to me. Seriously, I don't believe you. Um, and so it's caused more mess because if they know that R Ramsdale is not coming in ever, right? And it's oh he's going to be the cup goalkeeper then we just have to deal with Raya. But every game that Raya doesn't have a good one, it's, should Ramsdale come back in? It's a meritocracy. It's not. It's it's really not. So I don't think Ramsdale can wrestle it back. I think it's not if, it's when he leaves. 
Summer and for me. It, it would probably it's gonna be the summer, but if it if if it was me, I'd be looking for him to do something in January. Really, that, that, that would be me. Um, I'm a bit different, Rams. Though you can't go nowhere in January, and that goes for a lot of our players. You, no one's going nowhere. If Arsenal wake up and yeah, we sign, so, I don't know who, but someone that's accepting to be number two, and he can push Raya and all of that. Great, but I don't really care about Rams. Though my heart bleeds for you as a fan, but as a manager, I don't care about your England stuff. You know, people might say I've done you dirty. But nobody wanted you here. I bought you, whether you're an alternative or not. You're staying. God forbid, if something happens to Rywe and issues, at least Ramsdale on paper, he's got one Premier League game he's nailed on to play. He has to play Brentford at home, I believe, because Ramsdale, Rye, I can't. And at least for this season, we just, we, me and you just agreed with the fact that, respectfully to Matt Turner, he can't get anywhere near Ramsdale. And it led to him being complacent. You two push each other. I don't know if Arteta has, you know, what he says in the media, what me and you have spoken about, if that's legit. I don't know if he sat there and said, Raya, you're the number one, but Ramsdale's on your case. Has he told Ramsdale it's your place to lose? Or has he made it clear one of you is the cup, cup goalie and one of you is the Premier League goalie? I don't know what he's done, but I want to see this. My heart bleeds for Ramsdale because you said it earlier. It's like no one was really rating him at first. He wrestled it from Leno. He got PFA nominations, team of the year, helped us get Champions League. It was a fairy tale. You can see the man loves playing for Arsenal and then it was kind of ripped. I don't think we owe him anything. I think fans are, you know, I'm not being funny, but I like Ramsdale, but he's not without his faults. You know, my last thought on this, actually, um, what do you make of his dad's comments, actually? Because a grown man, your dad's fighting your battles. It's a bit weird to me, but what do you believe in that? Look, they're really close. Like, you can tell they're really close. He's, I think any father that's in a situation that Nick Ramsdale is in right now would want to do anything you possibly can to defend your kid and he's not defending Ramsdale as a goalkeeper he's 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 defending him as a, a person I think his who he is as a person was was questioned after Jamie Carragher made the comments about you know him yeah. clapping or whatever for for Raya yeah, and saying yeah, that it was yeah. all fake so I think that's I can understand him wanting to defend his kid now should he be or would I it, if I was Ramsdale, if I was Aaron, I would say, can you not? Because it's it's creating unnecessary... Opens up problems. another kind of worms, sure. Yeah, and as soon as he did that, like a couple of days later, Arsenal basically leak the information that we're going to make Raya permanent. Like, I think there's a little bit of a battle struggle there. It's not good. Like, I don't think it's good. It's not. Um, but he said something that I didn't like, which was he said that um, besides the... the Besides him saying that he didn't think Raya was pulling up trees, I didn't love that either. I was like, I don't think we should be talking about that stuff. I don't think that that's great. But he said that Ramsdale was not told anything, but he he's basically the cup goalkeeper now. And there was no like real conversation, you know, but the only way that Ramsdale will get to play is if something happened to Raya, basically. And I just feel like Arteta, don't be shady, man. Make it known. You know, tell Aaron, sit him down, say, listen, you're the cup goalkeeper. Be for real. You know, don't have the guy walking around and expecting him to play well when you haven't spoken to the man. Sit him up. Do be honest. I don't like the way it was done in the press conference. Just say he's not Just say David Rye is the number one. Call Aaron aside before you do that and say you're the cup goalkeeper. Stop the nonsense. The circus, some of it has been on, on Arteta. But Ramsdale, Nick Ramsdale. Listen, do you boo? If you want to go out there and talk to, talk, you know, about your your son and, and defend him, do that. But it is causing unnecessary nonsense. And one thing Arteta doesn't like is people talking in the press. 
and people leaking, you know, he got rid of a lot of them and it stopped for a minute. Yeah, it's just, (laughs) and like he, it's funny because he did it on the Highbury squad and picked them up. Yeah. And I was like, this is like an exclusive. This is crazy. Like he's out here and it's getting picked up by Sky Sports, but that's how quickly things can can roll and then things are taken out of context. And so it's, it's crazy. It really is. Only, only Arsenal can have a circus like this over a goalkeeper, like goalkeepers, like this is supposed to be the most unproblematic position that you can have, but somehow Arsenal have figured out a way to make it into a circus. Playing devil's advocate though. Yeah. Does he owe Aaron Ramsdale that to tell him you're the cup goalie or anything, you know, because surely you can't have it both ways. If he tells him he's a cup goalie, I'm not saying Ramsdale would do this, but there could be a drop in performance. Raya could also. Drop in performance is there. Yeah, I mean, it's there anyways, but yeah. But like, would would he necessarily, if Martinelli gets dropped, is he going to tell Martinelli being dropped out of Trossard or we meant to have a squad? Like, I'm not saying you're necessarily saying this, but I do feel like, there's almost like there's this divine right to Aaron Ramsdale. As much as I love the guy, and you, everyone can check my vids, there's very few content creators that back me more than him. But um, back him more than me, sorry. But it's not like you've got a Courtois, you've got an Allison, you've got an Edison, and you've suddenly brought in a keeper. I get it because they're at the top of their game. Ramsdale, let's be honest, I'm not trying to boy you. You're a top to average goalie. Do you, are you really owed any of this? Like, are it's you really owed the conversation? The position. Like, yeah, if it's Trussard and Martinelli, no. But it's because the goalkeeper, as much as Arteta was trying to make it seem like this goalkeeper position can be changed, it cannot. It's a number one, clear number one, and a number two. And so I think that's True. why it's different to me. Of course, if you drop if you drop um, Martinelli for Trossard, you don't have to talk to Martinelli. But when you're actively like dropping your number one goalkeeper and replacing him with somebody else. I do think it's like at the very least, just stop the nonsense. You're dropped. You're not the number one anymore because that's basically what's happened. Why not just be honest? You know, I, just, I don't know. That's I mean, how I feel about it. No, I, just, I don't, I don't yeah, think you're it's wrong. Messy. It's messy. <laughs> but do, but do they overrun still a lot? Like, no, like I do agree with like, we've updated his profile. Like he wouldn't even be considered this level of goalkeeper had he not come to Arsenal. So. The very fact that we're making this noise and uh, for a yeah. man that nobody even wanted and even last season, yeah. people said, oh, we need to upgrade Ramsdale, can't yeah. help us, all of these things. So I think you're right. But at the same time, I don't think Ramsdale's owed anything. And I don't think the club, even when he signed his new deal, on one hand, I do think Arteta can be a bit shady because nobody saw the Xhaka thing was coming. You know, He's nobody so saw shady, certain man. things he was doing. You know, nobody saw even at a fact where Pepe was playing and a bad man was cool that that was happening. Nobody saw Kieran Tierney. I remember, and I still go and look at Arteta's comments where he once said, you know, he could be our future captain. He signed till 2026. Obviously, the system's changed. Managers are going to be liars. I'd be a liar as well. I'll be promising everything under the sun. Um, but I strongly, slightly disagree with when Ramsdale signed the new deal that you haven't been briefed of a potential new goalie. You know, reading between the lines, maybe you thought a number two was coming in, but you know your brethren, Matt Turner's gone. You know someone's going to come in. Obviously, I think what hasn't helped Ramsdale in that, I think Raya was almost the girl that Arteta wanted first, and then she became available in the second season, and he's gone and done it. That was his first chance, really, and there was a market opportunity to exploit that, and Raya and Raya's done, well, Raya's been brought in, so we'll have to really see in that regards. Well, I, I wanted to, I go on. Question. Go on, I have go a question on. for you because people go have on. been bringing this up a lot, and now I'm starting to think like maybe, yeah. Should if if Raya ends up being a dud for real, mm-hmm. 
Should Anaki Kanya be sacked? Because you think you got a lot of bodies on your hand. You do. You have Raya, you'd have Ramsdale, and you have Morrison. Yeah. You chose all of them. You also had a hand in bringing in Matt Turner. So is it the case that Anaki Kanya should be looked at sideways? Because if, if our set pieces are not going right, we start looking at Yover. Surely, after like four goalkeepers and none of them end up being world class, you have to look at the goalkeeper coach and say, listen, you're not you're not pulling your weight. I think that'd be a bit harsh, man. I think I personally think that'd be a bit harsh because I don't think he could be a miracle worker. Like I don't think Ramsdale's got that in his locker to be that higher level. And to be fair, Ramsdale has improved and I think Raya will improve. And to be fair, I agree with you, you know, if the physios were doing dodgy stuff and no one can stay fit, then yeah, maybe a change in physios needed. But, you know, it's suggestions. It's like if me and you work for a company and I'm your employee and I'm suggesting certain things, it's down to you to take that decision. I might make a mistake, but... It's your fault. Mikel Arteta and Edu are the ones. And we always make a big song and dance about collaborative. So, you know, Runison, I don't know what videos we could have been looking at to say he was good. But if he's been suggested, other people have had to see, see it. We've had to sit down in a meeting room and we've co-signed it. Economy. Huh? He has, I feel like, yeah, he, he can suggest. But I feel like, I do feel like he, had, I, I feel like he has a lot of power. He of I course think, he does. Of course he hundred percent. But like it's like if I ask you a question and you're giving me your advice with your best of intention, and I think one way, like let's just say I didn't believe in Runnison, if me and you are the two coaches, and I thought not to do it, I can't do it and then blame you. I took your advice. I had a little thought in my headset to say forget that. But you know, if we can improve our goalies, why not improve our goalkeeping coaches? I wanted to ask you why we're indirectly on the talk of of you know improvements. Uh, in the last 24 hours, you know, uh, it, the, the, the language has kind of changed in that we're focusing on a defender in January versus a midfielder. What would be the priorities in January for you? Would you want a defender over a midfielder or vice versa? Where, where are you at in January? We have to get a defender. Over a midfielder? Period. Or both? Yeah. I, I mean, we have. We, it would be nice to get both. But let's be so freaking for real. If Arsenal get anything, they're only going to get one. You know, they're not going to get two players. Unless we can get, do a little cheeky loan or something. Yeah, maybe like a loan or something. But again, any decent player, especially a midfielder, is not going to leave their team midseason anyway. So from my perspective, it's more like I'm just thinking about the numbers. And when Arteta said it was like after Lons, because they obviously he he um, substituted Tommy and Zinchenko off at, at halftime, he said we were really thin at the back. And I think a yeah. lot of people were like questioning it. And I'm like, he must, he knows more than we know. He Benjamin knew Benjamin Wright and have been playing with Knox as well. He, yeah, he knew that Tommy Yasu's injury was right about there. I know he knew it. That's why he took him off. And so basically, we're in a situation where we have like five fit defenders. You know, the one that could potentially come back in Tommy won't come back until like February and he still can't be counted on. So are we going to repeat the same mistake three seasons in a row? Every single season has collapsed on the like on the ends of bad, you know, injuries from our not defenders. quite having the depth, yeah. Yeah. And I know that people, it's not sexy. Defenders are not sexy. Like it's like oh, a defender. It's, uh. it's necessary. Super what about a necessary. midfielder? What about an attacker? What start? I think the last thing we need in January is a striker. I think the next most important thing is probably a midfielder. But will I take my chances with Jorginho, Havertz, and all these guys? Will I take that over? The obvious issue that if Saliba or Gabriel go down, we're, we're done. No, I need us to go out there and get somebody. I just, 
even like Saliba's form in the last couple of games, he's still a great, he's still, he's still been great, but like, is he, is he like, is he carrying the back injury? You know, like I'm, I'm starting to really think like Arteta knows more than we know. And that's oh, why as he should. Yeah. And a defender has gone up the list very quickly. So they must know. And this idea that Timber is going to come back, y'all, Stop. It's not even nice. Even if Timber is fit in, like, let's say, most optimistic March, April, just because you're signed off does not mean the mental wounds have healed. Does not mean you're ready for contact. Does not mean you're yeah. fit. And let's just let's just assume the same things we're talking about this at this point in the season. We're talking about then we're in the middle of a title race, etc. Of course, in terms of ability, yes, but it wouldn't be nice to throw him in. And one thing I've actually liked with Mikel Arteta, shown with. Rightly or wrongly, the reluctance to reintegrate Saliba last year, taking your time with Jesus and plenty of others, we're taking our time. And, you know, as much as I want Timber back, I want you back when you're ready. I know it's difficult. You've made a big move. There's a Euros, etc. So yeah. I share your opinion, but I think we need a midfielder as well. I think midfield and centre mid, centre mid, sorry, and defence, we need to get both, man. Like, I'm a big fan of Jorginho. I like what Kai Havertz has done in the last few games. Declan Rice is the only one 100% bet on. As you kind of, I can't remember how you pull it, but you said it perfectly in the video we just did with you. It doesn't matter if it's raining, sunny, whatever Mikel Arteta wants to yeah. do tactically, oh, Declan well, Rice okay. can be used. There you have it. I don't think the rest are like that, really. And I've, I've, I've purposely not had Odegaard, not included him, because he's a 10, 8 and a half. He's like, you know, he's one of them kind of midfielders. I think mm -hmm. we're missing one. Where we have to do the loan market, and ultimately, defence and midfield, that's the spine of our team. Yeah, we could probably now, could probably get away with it in midfield per se, but ultimately, the tail end of the season, like you say, you know, when it's just time to get results, I'm not, I'm not convinced. And again, I think we're a bit, we've done ourselves dirty to have no Timba, Tomiyasu, and actually Thomas Partey through no fault of Mikel Arteta's in a difficult month where we've got Liverpool away, et cetera, et cetera. So you kind of touched on it. It ties into my next question. Where do you think Arsenal are weak? You know, you touched on a striker. I'm pretty sure you maybe would like someone for Bukayo Saka. Like what positions between January and I guess focusing more on the summer, do you think Arsenal are lacking or what number of signings would you like to say? Not necessarily names per se, yeah, I think, um, listen, I think a center back, a center center back has to come in. I know, again, it's not sexy. Y'all gonna be like, what do you mean? You guys, I don't think people realize how big of a job Saliba has back there. He's the only player that can do what he, he's the only one that can do that. Well, and Benjamin and White center back don't work now because then you have no right back. Exactly. Kind of tying into why we need a defender, like you said. And Ben White has slimmed down a lot to become a right back. I think people forget that like when he first came in, he was a center back build. He slimmed down a lot to be able to go up and down that sideline. And so I don't even think physically Ben White could be a center back for us anymore for a long period of time for a goal, like for a game or two. Yeah. But we even saw at the beginning of the season when Arteta dropped Gabrielle, I didn't like what I saw with, with Ben White and Gab uh, Saliba. I didn't like it. I didn't feel like it was strong enough. You know, Kivior, still question marks around him. Um, not quite sure. He's also one that physically I don't think is strong enough to do what Gabriel and Saliba do. It's it's not, it's a physicality, athleticism, no, defending partnerships and relationships. Yeah, well, the, there's no one, you know. So I think bringing in a, a, a person that can play center, center back, that's good at playing out from the back, that also has the athleticism and the 1v1 defending like Gabriel, it's going to cost a lot. But I don't care. You know, I, I do think one of our defenders is going to leave in the summer anyway, whether it's Kivior or somebody else. I don't think I think somebody will end up leaving anyway. So bring in a center back um, midfield wise. 
I still think we need like an eight slash six, you know, somebody that can do a box to box role, you know, somebody like that, like a, like a Douglas Louise would be cool. You know, something like that. A Fofana for Monaco, somebody like that. We've been linked to Fofana in January, but so yeah, somebody like that would be, done. I mean, and we gave them Balligan for peanuts. So the least yeah. you can do is give us. Hey, you owe us a solid man. You owe, yeah, us, a solid. You owe, you owe us something. Um, and a striker, you know, I think, and we, we spoke about this, like, Jesus is doing fantastic. Upgrading upon him will be very difficult because if you're just a good clinical striker, that it's doesn't mean that we're not going to lose a lot in what Gabriel Jesus gives us. Does you know, everything but be a prolific goal scorer, Jesus. Yeah, right. you need to be world-class. Like, I think that's the only way to upgrade at, at this stage with Arsenal. So it's going to cost a lot. But I, I've said it on my show many times that I feel like if Osaman would entertain the conversation with us, even if he's like, you know, I'd prefer to go somewhere else, but you got about a 25% chance, put your chips on the table. Because he's the only one that I feel like changes the game for us. I, mean, I think his agent been at London Coley a few years ago. Yeah. So there so, could be something done there. Yeah. So that, that that's where I kind of, you know, a, a center midfielder, that's a different profile to, to Havertz and Odegaard, an all-weather player. Again, box-to-box, could do everything. And then another center back that gives us the athleticism and physicality like Gabriel and, and Saliba. Um, those are the three positions that right down the spine, I think that's what I'd do. I'd say for me from January to the summer, obviously Ramsdale and this riot thing isn't going to persist. So start scouting the number two. I agree with you. You know, if in an ideal world, I'd love someone that's a bit like Timber and Tomiyasu can cover the whole back line. So if you could get someone like that, I think we need a six and an eight. I think Saka needs competition or we need someone that can make Arteta a bit more comfortable with taking Saka off and someone that's able to impact the game and do well. Pedro Neto would be great because he's shown he can play off the left and the right. And a striker. Now, I love Gabriel Jesus. Pep Guardiola, Mikel Arteta, all the Brazil managers, they love him. They never speak of goals. I don't think you can just look at goals because... Uh, Gabriel Jesus is our first defender and he gives us so much but there's a reason him and Zinchenko in particular they were squad players rotation options valued members but they weren't like first names on the team sheets like the Kevin De Bruyne's and the Gundogan's per se I think we need to get that goals them goals and it sounds dumb that you know we were actually probably got about 20 30 odd goals this year we got 80 odd last season but I generally think there isn't enough players in this team that have a confirmation of scoring goals you know Saka's done it the last 2 years so I back him to get double numbers it wouldn't shock me positively and negatively if Martin Odegaard and Martinelli scored double figures because that was their first year um Havertz has shown he can score obviously we I love the fact that we've got 11 uh, different goal scorers in the prem recently and we've got a lot of subs coming off the bench but there's nothing like having a proven goal scorer or the latest being a Bamian so I'm all, I'm all for that and I, I think my first char- target up front would be awesome and I would revisit Vlahovic I think I've kind of fallen off the ball with him but Mikel Arteta went for him aggressively where are you at with Ivan Tony you having him in January like a couple of weeks ago when that seemed like our issue because it's changed it went from we need a striker because I'm sick of seeing Eddie then it went to midfield because I don't like Havertz. Now it's defense because we got an injury there, you know? So when it felt like a striker was probably something that we would go after, I would have had him in January. But my problem with Ivan Tony is that it's a January signing for me to help us win the league, but it's not the signing that you make in the summer. You know, it's not a summer investment to me. 80, 80 million for Ivan Tony in the summer stinks. Spend yeah, that tells me you can't get the other strikers we've mentioned. Yeah, I just, for me, it, it doesn't make sense. So 
I like him, but is he that much of an upgrade on Gabriel Jesus? No. Does he add something different for this season that we're probably missing? Absolutely. But yeah, once you get into the summer, I think we're looking at a Declan Rice signing for the striker position and Mike, that's figure, Ivan yeah. Tony. No. And he made a lot more sense at 50, 60 million at 80 million and above. He, he makes no sense whatsoever in my opinion. So it's a no for me um, beyond January. And even in January, like, again, if we only have like 50, 60 million to spend. I need us to reinforce our back line or do something in midfield. Like we'll have enough goals. I think just about. I mean, I'm with you with that. I think the priorities in an ideal world, you want to go after everything, but it's to spine it. For me, you need to get in the midfielder. I would sleep a lot more comfortably if you got a, if you got a centre half or a defensive body just to add to it. Whether that's a Tomiyasu ilk, whether that's someone that can play on the left and the right. Obviously, they need to fit into the system. So I'm with that. I'm not the biggest critic of Ivan Tony, and I'm not the biggest like no, not, I'm not against he's it. Good. I he's think he's decent, good. but yeah. I just think the wicked. The saddest thing is, I think he's more attainable than some of the names we've said purely because he's got 18 months on his deal. He's changed agents. He's twerking for the club, doing what Mudrick was doing on Instagram. Oh I just God. feel, yeah, like I just feel a stick or twist for for Ivan Tony. I think if you move for Ivan Tony, you've been told that Osman or Vlahovic or, or Sesko or all these Ivan Ferguson's they're not on it. And I think in the summer it'll be a domino effect. I think everyone will be waiting for that first striker. And as you know, there's a few clubs we're not alone. I don't think Real Madrid or PSG will necessarily move for these names, but you can make a case of them needing a forward. I know United have just signed one, but they could do with a more experienced one. Chelsea need a lot more than a striker, but undoubtedly they need one. I mean, Spurs were a more sexy club than them, but they need a forward. So everyone's going to be looking over them. And I'm sure you've been asked this and spoken on it. The striker market, at least to us normal football fans, there's a lot of good strikers, a lot of strikers you'd be open to, but that confirmation that you're like, yeah, they're going to make us better, like yeah. we said with Declan Rice. But I think you have to crazy. make the most out of your, and this is what, what frustrated me about the summer window, because I felt like we could have probably gotten any midfielder that we wanted, bar like maybe a, like maybe a couple. Um, and we went for Kai Havertz. Now that may end up working out for us, but I think when you're better than your contemporaries, you have to hit then. Because if Chelsea end up continuing the way that they are right now, it's going to work. Even if Osman loves Chelsea, I still think we have a really good chance to get him. Do we have a better, do we wait? You know, it's like, you just have to make the most out of being the better team now and being the most viable and like best destination. And so, like I said, if you even have like an opportunity to put your chips on the table, you have to, because the other options don't really move the needle in my opinion. They just, they don't. And I think when, you know, Manchester City decided to move away from a false nine, they went out and got the best striker that they could find. Yeah, they went, went and got the best they one. Yeah. The and they got Alvarez to help and out as well, really. Exactly. So Arsenal going for these other kind of younger, kind of just, you know, it's like, mm, I don't know. I think you go for, and he's he would be the difference at Anfield. He's the difference at the Etihad. Like, he's the difference in Champions League. And I think that's the thing. It's like, Jesus will dominate against most teams, but I do think he struggles to make a difference in the games that are like really the ones that's where you need a striker. That's going to scare the lives out of like Ruben Diaz and, and John stones and Virgil van Dyke. And I don't think he has that fear factor and that doesn't mean he's not a great player, but we're talking levels here and that's where we're at. So Declan rice level signing for the striker or nothing. I don't want whoever upcoming, you know, 
hipster signing thing. <laughs> hipster. I think I think Jesus has done good in the big games, but it's just undoubtedly you don't get the, the, the goals that we require that will turn some draws into victories, some losses into draws, ultimately get us more points on the board. My last two questions for you. The final one will be about Aston Villa. Um, who would you say is the most overrated and most underrated slash, wait, in fact, most overrated player in this Arsenal team, most underrated, and who's got the highest ceiling? Um, listen, <laughs> this is so bad. Um, the most overrated. Overrated doesn't mean bad, folks, by the way. Disclaimers. It's just, are they overrated? Like, <laughs> what do I say? <laughs> um, let's say, let's go with underrated first because more names pop up to me in, in that regard. I would say the most underrated player in our team is is a is either Tamiyasu probably not as much now because he played well but I think before the season started it was probably Tamiyasu but it it's it probably will always be Gabriel Magalhaes um I just feel like he's not a sexy defender yeah, he's not Saliba's he's not. got the grace to it and he looks yeah, the part and what Gabriel that, some of the things the that like people talk about him like they're like oh he can't pass out from the back I'm like you guys that they're was like they're not watching ago. the games yeah they're really not watching ago. Update, update your your opinion on him because he he's a good one v one defender. He's always available. His passing out from the back has gotten a lot better. Is he a midfielder at the back? No, but sometimes you don't need that. You don't need that. You need the combination. Very good passing range. Um, and so for a center back, center back, he's very good at passing out from the back. Um, and he just he's a leader back there. You know, he's only twenty five, I think, or yeah, he's like twenty five years old. So he's not the oldest at all, man. He's got a high, yeah. he's got a high ceiling. He just don't look as good as Saliba, and he does a lot of work so Saliba can run. He's the aggressor. He's the guy to get tight to Harlan so Saliba can mop up. So I think you're bang on the money. I just don't yeah. think he's got that aura like Saliba has. Undoubtedly, Saliba's younger, got a high ceiling, but. I think a bit like what you said with Tommy Asu, it's only now people are starting to give Gabriel his flowers, if I'm honest. So I think that's a great shout. Yeah. I'll go with that and, as well, to be fair. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, if Tommy Asu had not gotten injured, it would have been him. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I guess I'll be messy for the overrated one and say Thomas Partey um, because... Do you know what? It's not a shock. When I start to deep, it's not as much of a shock factor yeah. as I thought. When and this is, again, it's, I think he's, on his day, one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. Top five. When is his day. day? But we don't see that day enough. You know, and I think... And we definitely ain't seeing it this year. Oh, you yeah, when happened. you're not available enough, who, like, who you are as a player does also include your availability. And when you're not available, it becomes a part of your story. So, like Tommy Asu is somebody who, as good as he is, his his ability to stay fit also becomes a factor in who his he name is. is synonymous with injuries now. Exactly. And so the idea that because Thomas Partey had a good 85% of the season last season, so that's who he is, he's been here for four seasons. He's been here just as long as Gabriel. This is his fourth season, and he spent most of it on the sidelines. And so the way that people speak about him, like he's this unmovable piece of the puzzle, doesn't really sit right with me because it's like... We've had no choice but to move the puzzle because he ain't been here. Yeah, he hasn't been here. So for me, he's probably the most overrated in the team, not because of his quality, because he's fantastic when he's on it. We just don't see it enough, you know? 
if I had to choose between having, you know, Partey available for the season or having having Partey in his in the form that he's in right now or having Xhaka in the form that he's always been in, I would choose Xhaka because Xhaka would actually be on the pitch, you know, sure. like he would actually be there. And so, yeah, I think he's the most overrated and it's a shame, but, you know, I see people that are like, well, he's going to be a big boost at the second half of the season. I'm like, is he? Maybe Do you guys actually weeks. think he's going to be there? Like, would you sell him in January? Nah. You know, that's something that's been going around. Or would you nah. keep him? Again, another one. Like like I said on your show, summer. Like, you, Ramsdale, all of you, summer. Like, in an ideal world, I don't think any manager would want to do anything in January. January is a reactive window. You're reacting to what you couldn't do in the summer or injuries or a bit like when we signed Trossard, not seeing eye to eye. Party has to stay, especially where we don't 100% know we're bringing in a midfielder. And as much as I, I even though he was fit for 40 appearances last season, I love Party, but you're never fit probably need to move you on in the summer even though i think there's a world we bring in some midfielders and keep you we need you to stay if i'm completely honest with you now nah, you're, you're staying at the club january forget it obviously if we're given an offer that we can't refuse one that wasn't there in the summer then if you could get someone in loan on loan to tie us over or you get someone that can replace him and give a suitable level of performance do it but to me as an ignorant fan that's not privy to all this information fit or not Thomas has to stay, really. And it's a shame because when he is fit, a bit like Tommy Asu, they'll be going to pre uh, represent their countries in competitions mid-season, which, again, why we need to be for a midfielder and a defender, like we said earlier, man. So it's yeah. a techie one. No, I, I agree with that. Like, there's a world where I can see him leaving in January, but there's also the, the likelihood of us getting what Arsenal would want for him is very unlikely. Exactly. But if I could just, in general, if I could have somebody that's 5% less of a player than Thomas Partey, but they're more available, I would take that. I don't think um, anyone would disagree with that. But in the summer, we're we're doing another midfield overhaul, y'all. Like, there, there's going to have to be multiple midfielders. Partey's injuries on the wrong side of 30. I don't know if there's a, an, a clause in his contract to extend it. So on paper, it's 2025. I think it's an opportunity to just get his wages off the wage bill. We've brought in Declan Rice and Kai Havertz on big money. We've given new people contracts. So I think it's that. Who do you say has got the highest ceiling in the team then? Uh, it's a techie Saliba. one. You say Saliba? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably. But then again, for me, I can't answer, which is why I asked you because I think it's it could too be hard. Saka. It could be yeah. Saka. It could be Odegaard. It could, it could be actually Saka. be Declan Rice. Pardon? Like it's. I don't know. It's 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 a tough one because the only thing that's that's I don't know Saliba. I just hey, you started bagging a lot of goals. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> probably is Saliba. It it might. Peace, Saliba. I think Odegaard but, has slept on in that regards as well. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, Real Madrid are coming calling. They're going to come calling. Even Martinelli for his mentality. At some point. So, and I think that that's like the, if you are somebody that could play for Real Madrid, I think you're the top quality player. Because no matter where they are, no matter what, that is the pinnacle to me of football is if you can play yep. for Real Madrid and they would want you. It's the holy grail. Um, exactly. And I think he's one of those that they're probably watching, trying to see like, okay, well, when is it a good time to start asking about this guy? So Bring us 100 million plus and we can talk, mm -hmm. man. As much but as I, I don't think Saka looks uncomfortable in anybody's setup. I don't think he goes to Real Madrid and sits the bench. I don't think he goes to Barcelona and sits on the bench. I don't think he goes to Bayern and sits on the bench. Saka is so, I don't know. Don't get me started. Saka's chilly, man. So yeah, amazing. I don't know. He's fantastic, I and mean, he's getting that little bit of arrogance, which I like. He's starting you to know, get I peed like off. His humble gimmick, but 
you know, he's a little, he knows. He's starting to become a bit of a bastard, yeah. As yeah, you should, like he needs that. to be a villain. He needs he needs to enter his villain era. I need to see him take a tumble in boxes. I need to see him start getting angry. Long may it continue. Oh, most overrated for me, I would yeah. say Trosser. And I love Trosser. <gasps> I just feel, I just feel myself included. We all put him on a level that he's not. Take nothing away from Leandro Trosser. He's just for me. He's not with a certain couple of players. He, he don't get twisted. He deserves to start more. He's an important player. He can make the difference. I just feel we put him on a level as Arsenal fans, internally within Arsenal fans, that he's not. I love the guy, but I would say him. Underrated, I think we both said Gabriel. Higher ceiling. I mean, Declan Rice is, is, is the closest right now to maybe even being heralded as world-class. Saliba's in that elk. Saka, as you said, can walk into sides. I think people sleep on Odegaard. I'm going to say Martinelli purely because of his mentality. He's not Cristiano Ronaldo, but I think he's got that kind of hunger to want to be better and really push himself. And I think when you've got that in life, you can always overestimate. So if I had to bet money on the higher ceiling, it's Declan Rice, Saliba, slash Saka. I'm going to go with Martinelli. Why Before is Martinelli so on, slept on, though? Like, he just pardon? seems to... Like, Martinelli always seems to kind well, of be a pretty Brazilian player. conversations. Why is that? It's the same with Saka. It's the same with Saka. It's because they're not doing a thousand pointless skills and turning backwards. They're effective, really. Martinelli's a big game player. Last season, he took his consistency up another level, went from being with an outside chance of the Brazil World Cup squad to getting in there. It's just about refinement with Martinelli. It's just what little one, two things in his game. I think he needs to play with his head up a bit more. I think he's crossed that territory now where if you're starting week in, week out as a wide forward for Arsenal, You've got to get the numbers. It was great that you scored against City. It's lovely that you scored against Luton. And you've bagged in the champs and whatnot, but two goals, really? You know, you need to get that Saka thing where people say Saka hasn't been... Recently, they've stopped, but hasn't been good. He's getting goals. He's getting assists. He's making a difference. You look at Kane and Salah. They kind of was doing that. So I think that's why he slept on. But, you know, people don't rate our youngsters and our youngsters are the only ones really doing stuff. No one else is. You know, certain people get to hide in that Man City team and get subbed when, it's, when the going gets tough against Aston Villa. You know, certain United wingers ain't done nothing. So it's a techie one, man. But it's a good conversation to have. I know we've done a lot of bad business, but, you know, we've got Saliba for 20-odd, 30-odd million. Declan Rice costs 100, obviously, but money well spent. Saka is free. Gabriel Martinelli's what, 6 million. Odegaard's worth 30 million. And you could argue all of these players are worth a tenfold to what we actually spent. So if that day comes, which I hope not for Saliba... You get 100 odd million quid and we're laughing. And as you know, sales are something we need to probably begin doing better than. And I'm not too sure in the summer if we'll make decent money on sales. You'd imagine Ramsdale goes for something decent, shedding party off the wage bill. Eddie and Ketty and Nelson and Smith, bro, we might need to keep them for homegrown purposes. But these are guys that could fetch fees and be reinvested. But it all depends how good we are at hustling, essentially, which the jury's still out on Eddie in that regards. Like, apart from yeah. Balligan, what you really have we sold? some money. He can spend some money, but can he make money back? I don't know. This is it. This he can is spend it. some cash, that's for sure. He knows how to spend <laughs> money. We're going to need to spend a bit more, essentially, if I'm completely honest. It, I do think when Timber's back, we'll get him. Pardon? It never ends in the Premier League. You're always spending every got no choice. summer period. You've got no choice. Everyone yeah. wants us to be like Brighton and, and stuff like that, where they get these unknown players. And I think there's elements of us needing to be able to do that. But if we go and get these players, it will make us slightly less competitive. And fans are not going to hear that. Fans want all of these young players to play, want all these star players, want rotation, but then no rotation, want competition, but then don't want us to be ruthless. I don't think you can please football fans, much less Arsenal fans. To wrap this up, though, Aston Villa talked to me. Nervous, excited, what are you expecting? Una Emre Derby. Beat Manchester City, it's a six-pointer. Ain't lost in 14 since the last time we played them at their place. 
I've, I've already said 2-1 to us, but I think it's going to be nervy. Let me, let me have all your thoughts in relation to Villa, man. I, I mean, I hate this so much because I just wish, like, I wish we could just put Emery aside fully and just, Never like, happen, come to a conclusion that he wasn't right for Arsenal and just move on. But every time Emery does something good, they come out the woodwork. And it's and forget so about annoying. rose tints. They look at him with rose tints. Yeah, it's, it's so annoying. So... There's that aspect of things. Am I worried? Like, yeah, I mean, you're going to a place where they haven't lost in 14 games. And no matter who it is, if it's Villa, if it's whoever, you respect um, them. it becomes a very difficult, you know, game to, to play. So, yeah. And then they beat the champions and it's like, wow. And they beat them well, too. Like the scoreline, it was kind of like Newcastle versus Man United. It was 1-0, but it wasn't 1-0. It, it wasn't. So I think... You know, I'm I'm worried just because I wish we had our defensive team available to us. I wish we had Tamiyasu and and, oh, and 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 Timber. I wish we had that, but we don't. So our Teddy's tactics have got to be spot on. I don't know how they're going to set up against us. They could set up the way that they set up against Manchester City, or they could do us dirty and set up like they did um, like Brentford set up against us and do a deep block and hit us on the counter. So we don't actually know what's going to happen in this game. But what I'll tell Arsenal fans is to stand up a little bit. There's been a little bit too much, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, Emery, they're so great. I don't know. They have to defend us, too. You know, we Which have very that true. we need to think about as well. It's not like I don't think Pep really set up well in that game. He didn't have any midfield available to him or he didn't use any of the midfield available to him. No Calvin Phillips, nothing. He went so out there. He haven't created anything of significance. Yeah. Like against defenders. us, they missed Kevin DeBrano more than yeah, Rodri. Six defenders. Hello. We're not going to play six defenders. We're not. If anything, we're going to come up with one less defender because we're going to have Zinchenko on the pitch. So it's like it's not going to be the exact same. You know, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I think both teams will score. I think a draw wouldn't be that bad. I'll take a point, even though I want to yeah, win. If you can't win, don't lose, as they say. I know yeah, people don't, don't hear lose, that. But you guys be a little bit more confident. We're top of the league for some reason. The idea that we're just... I don't look oh at the league gosh, table. I don't know where Douglas we are. Louise. We have Declan Rice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They have Bailey. Who is Bailey? We have Saka. Like, come on, you guys. Like, stand up a little bit. Let's... We should be a little more like, let's go, you know? But um, I think our defensive solidity is going to be important. You know, I think that's going to be key to us. Uh, you know, um, They have weapons, you know, so stinking out a little one. No, I wouldn't mind that either. But Mr. Emmy Martinez, he wants to probably put a, a middle finger up at Mikel Arteta for getting rid of him as well. Didn't he, cover himself he, in glory in the last game either. That was so funny. I don't think he's been good in any game that he's played against us since he's long made that continue. Yeah. And so we want that to continue, but close game. We have, we have chances to win. They're going to be good on the day. Probably. I'm hoping that they're a little tired, maybe over celebrate this man city win a little bit. Yeah. So going to be a good game. What's your score prediction? What did I say? I said two, two. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You did. You I'm did say two, two. two. Yeah. I'm going 2-1, man. I'm trying to talk it into existence. I think Villa score first. Dramatic settings. I don't quite think 90th minute. I do think Declan Rice might get another goal or an assist. But honestly, I don't care how we do it. I always say get the result first, then dissect the performance. And they're one of the most informed sides. It is a six-pointer. 
I think we both know at some point whether City win the league or not, they're going to hit back. We need to take advantage of this. And as much as we've been good this season and I know teams can't be perfect, we're kind of, for me, chasing other results because we shot ourselves in the foot against Spurs and, and obviously Chelsea. We didn't find any way to score against Newcastle and we shot ourselves in the foot against Fulham. So we need to claw these points back because when we do inevitably have those wobbles, there needs to be a certain flooring. And in August, you have to be looking at 90-odd points if you want to beat City to the league. I think it'll be a little less now or the way it looks, but... Boy, anytime you can make some ground and solidify stuff, as you know, you've seen the fixtures. Like December's crazy. Like you've got to go to Anfield, got to go to, got to play Brighton, got to play West Ham, got to play Villa. You know, we will look back with some real sense of pride if we get into 2024, still saying what we're saying. So I'm all for it, man. But I'm going two one. You're going two two. We'll just have to see, Jess, man. We'll just have to see. Let people know where they can find you before I let you get out of here, man. And what content you've got to come out. Yeah, you guys, you can just uh, type. She knows Arsenal into the YouTube search and I will pop up. You guys can subscribe there. Um, if you guys want more content, I usually do something every single day, whether it's a pre-recorded little bit of content or a live. Um, we do player ratings immediately following the game. I do watch alongs, but I don't love them that much. I know you do watch alongs all the time. I don't know how Yeah, you do and then people get on to me like, do you know how many people probably sat there and felt the way I felt about looting? And like, oh, I told you, dude, you should have more optimism. I can't. I do them for the bigger games, but to be honest with you guys, I just, it may not come back next season. I just, I can't handle it. Um, <laughs> and then I have a Patreon if you guys want to join that as well. Um, Make sure you sign up to such content. people. Yeah, if you guys want to see the show that I did with um, with Deluded, um, that will come out tomorrow. Which, what is this coming out? I'm trying to get this out ASAP, to be honest. So okay, this is so when you guys see this, my, the show that we did together on my platform on Patreon will be Friday. So if you guys want to join that. But nevertheless, I am always around. And um, yeah, catch me on YouTube. Forgot to mention the Twitter, though. It's Jessica Black TV. That's I'm, I'm less on there now because I try not to give all my thoughts on there now. Because um, at one point I was just like, da -da 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 -da, and now I'm just nah, like, I, Twitter, I stay away from it as like, much as I can. I can't do it anymore. It's too much. It's too much. I try to use Twitter for fun, memes, gifts, things like that, you know, but you guys can find me there. And on Instagram, it's Jessica Black TV as well. And I try to put out something I should be doing daily, but I'm not, but I'm there. <laughs> Get on to her about doing it daily, people. So, yeah, you know where you can hit her up. Make sure you're subscribed to the channels. You're smashing the like buttons. You're checking out the Patreon pages. And you're keeping up to date with everything Arsenal. Jess, it's been a fantastic show. It's been a fantastic double show, actually. But, yeah, let me let you get out of it, man. I'm sure we're both tired in a bit, man. Peace. And hopefully, by the next time we speak or by the time you lot are watching this, when Saturday comes, we've got three points. But for now, we're out, folks, man. Safe. Because you always just that I can run back. I've been given, like, DJ, DJ.